Hi, everybody. I have some exciting news. I am launching a Substack. I know. I keep telling you how I'm not a writer, and I'm still not a writer, but I am going to be writing about reading over on Substack. The Substack is called Unstacked, and you can find it at tracythomas.substack.com. There will be free options every Friday. There'll be a bunch of weekly roundups, announcements, all the shit I'm into. And then if you want to upgrade yourself to the paid subscription, I'm going to have author interviews, bonus episodes, anticipated reads, book pairings, community chats, all sorts of stuff. So, If that sounds like something you'd be into, go to tracythomas.substack.com and join Unstacked. And of course, I've got a special offer for you. If you go to tracythomas.substack.com slash the stacks 10, you get 10% off your first year membership of Unstacked. You have from now until April 4th to redeem. Again, that's tracythomas.substack.com slash the stacks 10 for 10% off Unstacked. Okay, that's enough. Let's listen to this episode. Welcome to The Stacks, a podcast about books and the people who read them. I'm your host, Tracy Thomas. My guest today is me. That's right. I'll be answering all The Stacks questions about books. And our guest host is none other than my husband, Mr. Stacks. He didn't want to do it, but I begged him. And today is my birthday, so he couldn't say no. So you're finally getting the episode you've all been asking for. I'm talking about all the books I love and hate and the authors I admire and one book that makes me really, really angry. There are so many book recommendations today, but don't worry. There are links to everything we talked about in the show notes. Before we dive in, I just want to give a little shout out to our Patreon supporters, aka the Stacks Pack. These are the people who have committed to a monthly contribution to the Stacks that allows me to make this show week in and week out. In exchange for their generosity, they earn perks like our virtual book club and more. Thank you to the following people who make this entire podcast possible. Y'all are the real MVPs. Hannah Reed, Huang Fung, Jen, Heather Barr, Geneva Davidson, Stephanie Runk, Karen Form, Shannon A., Danielle, Katie Sykes, and Morgan Graggart. All right, here we go. The first and most likely last ever interview with Mr. and Mrs. Stacks. All right, welcome everybody. This is Mr. Stacks, and I'm here with Mrs. Stacks. Hi. Host of the podcast, The Stacks. It's me. And this is going to be a little bit of a different uh, episode for you guys. We are turning the tables, and we are going to be interviewing Tracy. I'm a little nervous, I got to admit, um, but I'm really honored that you'd have me on your podcast, mm. Mr. Stacks. Yeah, sorry, the scheduling was a little hard, but um, we're here now. So um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, so my name is Tracy, and I'm the host of the <laughs> Stacks podcast. I am an avid reader, the mother of twins. I'm married to this kind of cool guy who hates the fact that he's on a podcast today. Hated. <laughs> Shout out to all you people who hate the sound of their own voice because yeah. I'm here for you. But after about two years, you start to sort of get used to it. Nobody so, wants to hear me. Nobody wants to hear me either. Well, well, it's true. I mean, I just I forced myself down other people's throats, kind of like how I got you to marry me. Oh, is that how? No. Well, I just like kept showing up. Let's just get into it. Tell us tell us what you're reading right now. I am reading The Office by Andy Green, and it's about 
the television show The Office and it's an oral history and it's sort of great. I'm sort of loving it. And then I'm also reading Memorial Drive by Natasha Trethewey. I just started it. I'm at like nine pages in and it's her memoir and it's great. Um, but hold on. We can't just dive in just yet. We have to talk about you first. Nice try. Should I just try I, to skip? This is my turn hosting. So I know, but nobody knows you at all. Can you at least tell the people what you sort of like to read? Uh, so we are very similar in that sense that we both really like nonfiction, mm-hmm. specifically historical nonfiction, something that you can learn something from and gain a little insight into anything. And so basically, I haven't had to think about what I read for the past, I don't know, probably at least six, seven years. What do you mean? Well, because you always kind of just shovel off whatever you think is good or worth reading for me. Sometimes you pick books. Like you picked up They Were Her Property. Mm -hmm. And you picked up Sapiens. Right, but I get—I mean, I get a lot of my recommendations from you. It's true, but sometimes you bring things to the table. Because I also get to see—I get to actively watch somebody reading a book, saying comments under their breath, <laughs> falling asleep too soon. <laughs> so I kind of get this unique look at a book by watching somebody read it and hearing about them read it, and then you do a podcast on it and all that <laughs> stuff. So I am very. Um, I'm lucky in that sense. Yeah, that's true. You don't have to really go out on a limb on a book. Like if I'm not super jazzed about it, you're probably not going to read it. That's true. Okay. Before we get back to me, which, you know, obviously star of the show, you forgot to tell everyone that it was my birthday today. I just assumed everybody would have known. Oh, well. But happy birthday. Thank you. Today is my birthday. I am one year older. (laughs) I am uh, one year hotter. What did you do last year on your birthday? Do you love birthdays? I do. I we did the party where we told our friends and family that we were pregnant. Oh, that's in Oakland. Right. That was good. It was a surprise. Surprise. We we had everyone come over for a pizza party, and then, um, well, we were in Oakland at my brother's house. We had everybody come over for a pizza party, and then we were like, we want to take a picture with everybody, and so we went into the backyard. And we got everyone together and I had my little camera set up with the little clicker that I use when I take the pictures of me and the guest. And then we said, okay, one, two, three. And then you and I said, we're pregnant with twins. Mm. And then we got pictures of everyone's reactions. That was great. That was really good. A lot of good reactions. A lot of good reactions. The only thing that was not great about that day is that I was like 13 weeks pregnant and I was not feeling good. And it was your favorite pizza. And And cake. Cake and everything. It was so great. It was so great. That's what we did last year. And this year we're going to do nothing and wear masks and have cake. I hope that you've made that plan. Um, Next question. (laughs) Okay, wait. I do have one serious question because a lot of people wanted you to come on the podcast. And I have been telling everyone that you would not do it because you told me from from a very, very early stage you would not be on this podcast. So can you tell people why you are so anti being on this podcast? It's not anti i'm just looking out for you and looking out for your listeners because nobody nobody especially early on when you were just getting this thing off the ground before oprah got involved and all that (laughs) nobody (laughs) wants to hear two married people talk about books among themselves it's true especially if they have the exact same taste in books and have read the same things right and um so we'll, we'll see if we can make this worthwhile but I apologize in advance. 
everybody loves an apology in advance because it usually means you're in for something really good after that. <laughs> Immediately after the pre-apology is usually the greatest thing ever. Am I the first guest to pre-apologize? Yes. You're also uh-huh. the first guest to actively have to be begged to come on the show. Like uh-huh. other guests, people who are much more important than you were kind and gracious about being uh, appearing on the show. Not you. All right. Okay. I'm going to turn it over to you, except for we have to do Ask the Stacks. So do you want to do that now or do you want to do that later? Uh, let's do it now. Okay. So Ask the Stacks, for those of you who don't know, is you uh, anyone can email in. They email askingthestacks at gmail.com. Send us your name, what you're into, what you don't really like about books, and then whatever you're looking for. Um, so I'll read this one and then we'll do we'll do it and then we'll get on with Get on with the show. Okay. So this comes from Madison from Dallas. They say, I have been wanting to submit one of these for a while now, and I can thank you for many of the books that are on my shelf already. I've noticed that my reading has hit a lull in the past few months, as I'm sure many others have due to current events. I'm looking for something that's captivating that won't, that I won't be able to put down. I'm open to both fiction and nonfiction. And some of the books that I've recently loved are The Yellow House by Sarah M. Broom, The Vanishing Half by Britt Bennett, Permanent Record by Mary H.K. Choi, and She Would Be King by Y2 Moore. I'm leaving this pretty open because I really am up for anything and I look forward to hearing your suggestions. So, Madison. I'll go first. Um, My first one for you is a book that I love. It was in my top 10 last year. I think it's just incredible. It's called How We Fight for Our Lives by Saeed Jones. It's his memoir about growing up in Texas as a black queer man, his relationship with his mom, his grandmother, with himself. It's just an incredible, incredible memoir. The next one is kind of, um, I don't really talk about this book much, but I loved it when I read it back in 2010. It's called The Good Soldiers by David Finkel. It's all about a platoon, I think is what it's called. I don't know. What do you call a group of soldiers? Yeah, that sounds about right. Sure. Totally. It's a platoon of soldiers, a soldier's platoon. It's a group of soldiers in Iraq who are deployed, I think, in 2007, and it's about their time in Iraq and then also when they come back to America. And David Finkel kind of embeds with them, and it's so good and just really unputdownable. And then I'm a little wary to recommend this book because I read it, and I liked it, and I read it in six days, and I couldn't put it down. It's a little problematic, for some people, but if you're looking for a book that's totally immersive and moody and delicious, A Little Life by Hanya Yanagihara. You'll cry, I think. There's there it's good. There's issues, but like if you just want to be just overcome with some characters and a story that's just like so brutal, that might be the book for you. But just know if you have any of those trigger warning type situations about basically anything, this book might trigger. But it's really good. Does it is it as intimidating as it looks? Because it's a thick. It's a thick book. book. It reads pretty easy. It's not like nonfiction. You know, it's fiction. How long did it take you to read? Six days. But I did it in Thailand. Like I had that flight, and then so I did it pretty quick. You don't want to te- you don't want to put it down because it's also like pretty intense. So for me, I was like, I don't want to put this down. I just want to get through. Like I just got to push through mm-hmm. and figure out what is going on. Um, but I I enjoyed my time reading it. But when I think about it now, like when I think about the book, I can pull a lot of things that I think are super problematic. But my reading experience of it, those six days, I was totally into it. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's kind of like you know a problematic fave, if you will. All right. Okay, your turn. What was the question again? 
Oh, you're not kidding. No, I'm not kidding. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, little known fact for all of our listeners, and this is a constant. This issue is a big fight us. that we have a lot. Is that uh, Mr. Sachs refuses to listen to anything I say? Like as soon as I talk for more than thirty seconds, he's completely zoned out. Her, na- her name is Madison. Okay, got it. <laughs> that was the first thing I okay. said. Nailed it. Madison wants an immersive book um, that she won't be able to put down. Mm, okay. Fiction or nonfiction. That's summarized. Um, I mean, the one that comes to my mind that I read recently in the last year is Jesmyn Ward, Men We Reaped. <sighs> so good. And yeah, it kind of you, you just did a little shake right there. And it kind of just, even though it's a really tragic memoir and, and the, the themes and, and the stories that, that she writes about are just, you know, it's heavy, but. It is so good. It's something that you can just dive into and you won't put it down. It is, you know, uh, 200 pages maybe. And um, it kind of got me out of a reading funk. I don't know if anybody else has gone through one of those where you read a lot of really intense books and you just kind of hit a wall and you don't want to pick up another book. Uh, Definitely was worried about you leaving me during that time in my life. Because you weren't reading books. You were only reading the newspaper. It and was then you were annoying hard. Me. Was... And you were always having the TV on, which is what was annoying. I, I was like trying to read and then we would be on the couch and then you would turn the TV on. I know. that. So that has never happened to you, at least in the last No, I definitely years go through ago. reading slumps. But you I... never stopped reading altogether. No, I just read books and hated them. Like there are definitely <laughs> books that I read in a time when I didn't want to be reading and I just pushed through. And I'm sure that the books were great and I'm sure that I gave them one star. Do you think star. you would have a different opinion of those books if yeah, you read them? I firmly believe in you have to read a book at the right time for you. Mind frame. Yeah, but like mind frame, time of your life, like mm-hmm. location. Like I, I don't know, like speaking of a little life, I don't know that if I was reading a little life in my day-to-day life, like when I had work and babies and things going on that I would have liked it as much. Mm-hmm. But because I had these this like six-day or seven-day trip and I was on an airplane for so many hours and I was with my best friend and we were like just chilling and hanging out and traveling and we had all this time. I feel like I was able to really just commit to the book. But mm. right now I'm reading in like 20, 30 minute sprints. And I don't think I would have liked, I would right. like the book now. So I think not just, not just like time, like mind frame, but just like time of your life. Right. But don't you think that if you're in that funk and you know, because mm-hmm. I know, I mean, I put down slavery by another name and it was in a series of books that were very heavy and, and rich and great. But I just realized like, I can't, I can't do this right now. Don't you think if you recognize that, instead of forcing yourself to read something else, you're doing a disservice to that book. So that's why I was like, hey, remember the TV? Kind of nice. Sure. I mean, for you, you read for fun. I'm reading for the show and stuff. Uh-huh. So I, I don't really have the luxury of like not reading because then I get behind. And then you know what it's like when I'm behind on a book and I'm like trying to keep my eyes right. open and like trying to sit up in bed with the bed, the oh, book light yes. in my eyes. I know that all too well. <laughs> Um, okay. Wait, before we get to the questions, one last thing. We have to take an ad break because there's an Mm. ad coming to you people right now. Give them what they want. Taking care of your health isn't always easy, but it should be at least simple. That's why for the last 
three plus years, I have been drinking AG1 every day, no exceptions. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day, and it makes me feel nourished and strong enough to tackle whatever else might come my way. That's because each serving of AG1 delivers my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and a lot more. It's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. The nutritional insurance that AG1 provides has been vital to keeping me productive and focused. It helps me cover my bases in just about the time it takes to fill a glass of water, scoop in one scoop of AG1, and then drink it. So I don't know, 75 seconds? With the perfect mix of vitamins, probiotics, and nutrients from Whole Foods, I'm not stuck trying to assemble it all by myself, which would have considerably worse results. AG1 saves me all the time and hassle, and it has made such a difference in my overall mood and especially my gut health, among many other things. But don't take my word for it. Go ahead and try AG1. Let me know what you think. Whether you notice you're needing more nutrient support than you're used to, or you just need an edge for a tough workout, AG1 can be the ticket. If there's one product I had to recommend to elevate your health, it's AG1, and that's why I've partnered with them for so long. If you want to take ownership of your health, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3, K2, and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash the stacks. That's drinkag1.com slash the stacks. Check it out. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This episode is brought to you in part by Noom. Forget one-size-fits-all diets. With Noom, you get a personalized weight loss plan that's tailored to your lifestyle. No food is off limits. Enjoy your favorites while discovering healthier habits. Noom's users love the flexible approach, blending psychology and biology to help you lose weight in a way that's sustainable for you. And great news for foodies. Noom just released the Noom Kitchen Cookbook, with 100 delicious, healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. Grab your copy of The Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold. Okay, we're back. Okay, I'm handing over the reins for real. Mr. Sachs. Let's do it. So we are going to do, for all you loyal fans, we are going to do a few of the regular questions that you always hear. Um, And then I'm going to throw in a couple curveballs and we'll try to make this interesting and hopefully uh, you make it to the end because I don't know if I will. Okay, (laughs) Okay, I hope you do. um, So can you just tell me, because I have a lot of questions that I just want to know personally, is that... You have to start with where we always start. Two books you love and one book you hate. Wait to... Those okay. are always where we start. All right. Um, okay, so let's get started. We are going to do the um, tried and true questions. Okay. Two books you love and one book you hate. Okay. One of the books that I love is The Warmth of Other Suns by Isabel Walkerson. It's the story of black migration in America. And I love the book because I, it's beautifully written. I love the way that she weaves the story of three 
individuals who were part of the migration along with all these other interviews that she did so all this other rich history that contextualizes black experience and she kind of mixes these stories with the history part but I also love it for a deeply personal reason because my dad as you know was part of the great migration in the 1930s his family came um, to California from Louisiana when he was about two or three and so as I was reading this book I all of a sudden saw my whole life and my family and my existence you know in space Mm -hmm. in a totally different way and it just changed it it truly changed the way that I saw the world and that I saw my place in life. And it just was revolutionary. Did for you me. know that that's what you were going to get out of the book? No, I hadn't. I didn't even know what the book was about. Like I didn't quite understand when I saw the book, I didn't quite understand what the migration was. I'd never, I mean, mm-hmm. not taught about it. I didn't know what it meant. I kind of knew like, Oh, this is black people leaving the South, but I didn't, it didn't ever really click to me before reading the book that it was about Jim Crow and that it was about finding jobs and it had to do with Mm -hmm. world war one. And I didn't understand exactly like how terrible things were in the South and how terrible things were in the places that black people went, Mm -hmm. you know, like we have this idea that Chicago or Harlem or Oakland or whatever were these like bastions of greatness for black people. And sure there were communities there for them, but you know, in the book she talks about, I can't remember her name, the the woman character that she follows. She talks about how her and her family were living in these like tiny, tiny apartments and living with other family members in Chicago and in Michigan for a little bit. And it just, it's like, we're not taught any of the history. And I, so I, I could have had no, I had no way of knowing what I was getting into mm. when I picked up the book. And just the, the fact of, the, where the railroads went that's right. like how that's why your dad ended up where he did right and, and like why so many Chicago. people i know in california are from louisiana and right. texas which like I, I i always just thought it was weird i meet people and be like oh my family's from louisiana I'm like oh my god mine too like mm-hmm. what a coincidence i didn't i had no understanding that that was yeah. you know through design did your dad ever no talk about like you're here stories about well, he was only two or three when they left. So no, mm. not really. But like his, my dad's mom, my grandma, her sister was in Oregon. So right, you just follow the train line up mm. the coast. Like it makes so much sense. Right, right. I have another book that I love, but I don't know which one to do. I'm so torn. This, always, this is a hard question because I love so many books. I think I'm going to pick the book that started the podcast, which is Blood in the Water by Heather Ann Thompson. Ooh. I read the book. It's about the Attica prison uprising. It is an incredible book. I picked two ginormous history books, mm-hmm. for, by the way. And yeah, um, get used to it, people. Yeah. Our house has a lot of ginormous history <laughs> books. Um, <laughs> it's about the Attica prison uprising. I knew basically nothing. I bought the book because I saw it, that it had won the Pulitzer, I think, or something. And I bought it and it came and I was like, I was expecting 200 pages. <laughs> why is this package so heavy? I was like, why is there a 700 page book here? Like, <laughs> what is going on? And I picked it up one night. You were on call. I was home alone mm-hmm. and I picked it up and I stayed up till about two or three. And I remember I was teaching the 6.15 a.m. class. So it must have been a Thursday night. I was teaching the 6.15 a.m. class the next morning. And I was so upset because I couldn't fall asleep because I was so oh, into the so book. S- but I also knew every minute I was reading, I was getting closer mm-hmm. and closer to 6.15. 
Um, but it was it's such an incredible book. She tells the story of the prison uprising, another book that I didn't know any of the history. I knew the idea of it. I knew that there had been some sort of something, but I had no, no idea of the details and mm. what it was. And it was just such a revolutionary event in American history. And like if I was teaching history, American history, the books I would use to teach that class would be nothing like the books that I actually mm. use. And it would include both The Warmth of Other Suns and... Blood in the water. Blood in the water. Yeah. That one started. So wait. So you read it, and then when you were done, oh, you were so like, when I was done, I was like, I really want to talk about this book with someone, uh, and nobody had I knew had read it, and I was like talking to my mom and some other people who are you know were alive and doing their thing in 1971 mm-hmm. when the uprising happened, and they didn't really remember it, and they were like, yeah, I think they like killed some prison guards, mm-hmm. and like they had no idea. So I was like, let me go listen to a podcast about it, and I searched, and there was only two podcast episodes I could find at the time, and one was like a legal podcast, mm-hmm. so it was like people talking about the legality of what had happened and what hadn't happened and whatever and i was like this is super (laughs) not for me this is i'm not the audience for this and then the other one i can't remember where it was maybe it was the new yorker or it was just something like really smart it was like three or four really smart white people just talking about the book and they weren't really talking about racism and they weren't really talking about revolution and they were talking it was just like so elitist and i just was like i wish there was a podcast that was talking about books that are that i read that aren't just like you know i don't i don't mean to be pejorative but a little bit like chiclet or whatever but that they were talking about it in a way that was accessible but also talking about real shit and so i was like i guess maybe i could try to make that and so that's how the show started wow and I have never had Heather Ann Thompson on, but she is on my original dream guest list. And she is writing something new, and they are turning Blood in the Water into some sort of Showtime something she just announced. Wow. So I am going to be pursuing her. Okay, one book I hate. This is also hard for me because I hate a lot of books for a lot of different reasons, but I'm going to pick one that I hate for political reasons. And that is The Line Becomes a River by Francisco Cantu. Mm-hmm. Or Cantu. It's a book. He's this guy, this like young guy who he's half Mexican, half white, but he's white presenting and he has gone to college to study the border or some shit. And then he decides I'm going to actually go be a border agent. And so he enlists in the border patrol and he says it's to understand the border better, but it's clearly to write this memoir that he then writes. And it's just, it's so icky because it's a memoir. There's no facts in it there's no you know note section there's no proof that any of this has happened and it just feels like he's exploiting this terrible 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 thing that's going on in america right now so that he could write his little precious memoir Mm -hmm. and i also hate the fact that because he is white presenting he can traffic in this like i'm safe for white people to read my book and to think that i'm being fair because i look like them but i also can pretend that i am like I can pretend that uh, it's like he's like as a safe person of color, like a model minority kind mm. of thing. And I just really hate that because I think that it's so disingenuous. And I think the fact that the book even got written is because or got published is because of how he looks mm. like he's young and he's handsome. And I just it's just so icky to me. And the book's not that good. The writing is beautiful, but the content is bullshit. It's like I don't want to give anything away, but it's like Disney fied in a lot of sections. And so 
Let's say he has a new book coming out. I won't you, read it. No, no. Would you have him on the podcast? No, 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 no. I don't. I don't. I would never want to give him any um, shine. No. All right. Well, that'll be. I'll have him on my spinoff podcast. Okay. Have fun. Books that you hate. You can't use my microphones. No. You don't have to get your we'll own see. equipment. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Let's see. So, what are you currently reading right now? I'm reading the Office book, but you already asked me about that. And. Do you read multiple books at a time? I do now. I don't like to, but sometimes I do. And like in this pandemic, I've been picking up a lot of things. I have like nine books that I'm somewhere in the middle of, but actively I'm reading two books. And I mean, do you like reading two books at a time? Or if you had enough time, would you stick to your tried and true the way I knew you from when yes, we first met I like one to be, book at a time? Yes, I like to be a one book pony. The reason that I sometimes end up reading two books is because I have a physical copy of one and then I have one on my Kindle. And at nighttime when you're sleeping and I have to wake up to pump, I just will go back to sleep by reading on my Kindle. Mm. And it's easier than getting out the book light because the book light is brighter than the Kindle. I know. I never thought I would see you. I know. Holding your Kindle around the house. Yeah. Well, you also said you didn't want kids, so here well, we are. All right. Well, that's a, <laughs> that'll be a different episode about that one. Okay. So, h- how do you pick? Because we get way too many books sent to the house mm-hmm. on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. What is your thought process? Okay. Minus the fact that you have guests, right? Upcoming. Mm-hmm. What makes you pick up a book to read? Like, why did you pick up the Office book? Because you're not having him on the podcast. No. I mean, I would. Shout out Andy Green no. if you're interested. Was that the whole point of reading it? <laughs> you can bring it up on the podcast. Yeah. Now, if I if it has nothing to do with the podcast, I pick a book based on... So if I get a book in advance, an advanced reader copy, you know, like the paperback ones for books that aren't out yet. Mm-hmm. If I get one of those and it's by an author of color, specifically a black author, I will try to prioritize that so that I can talk about it and give the book some shine on my Instagram. Like I'm pretty intentional about wanting to promote books, especially books that I feel like might not get the same attention. Um, If it's a book that's like by an author that I've read before that I've loved, like we just got Isabel Wilkerson's new book cast. Is that how you say it? Cast or cased? Cast. I always fuck this up. The E, any other word, the E makes the vowel say its name. Thanks electric company. (laughs) Um, But cast So like that I'm really excited about. And then also sometimes it's just like I want to read something totally different, which is why pretty much I picked up the office book. I was like kind of in one of those funks Mm -hmm. and I was like, let me Mm -hmm. just pick it up and see what it's like. And then I liked it. So I kept going. What about your Shakespeare challenge that seems to never end? Yeah, there's 37 plays. Tell us a little bit about that. And what are you going to do when you are finally done with that? I think I'll be really excited when I'm done. I was really into it in the beginning. And then do people know what I'm reading one Shakespeare play a month from start to finish. Ten years. It's three. It's 37 plays. So it's three years in a month. But I I think I missed two months. So it's three years and three months now or four months. Um, And I'm just reading through in order. But there is no set order because I don't exactly know. So I'm just using a list that says this is our best guess. And I'm somewhere like 20. Is it enjoyable? Some of them are really good. Some of them are very bad. Like I now understand why people don't do a lot of productions of the Merry Wives of Windsor or like mm-hmm. Love's Labor's Lost. Like yeah, I get it. I didn't like that one either. Yeah, of course not. Yeah. But like some of them are so good. 
like Romeo and Juliet is actually that bitch. Like it is actually mm. that good of a play. Like it is bomb. And I know that I'm coming up on Macbeth soon. And that one is also amazing. And I can't wait to reread it. And I've read a lot because I did Shakespeare in college. So a mm. lot of them are familiar and it's really enjoyable. Like rereading Richard III that I was in a bunch of times was like ugh, the amazing. Um, Have you been keeping tabs? On those plays, those specific plays that you maybe forgot about or that you loved this time mm-hmm. around, that you are going to introduce to the twins. I mean, no. I probably won't introduce to the twins. No. Um, speaking of college, okay. do you remember anything that stuck out as a reader in college? Any books that you fell in love with? In college, I read a lot of plays, a lot of plays. Like, but was that so? That was for school specifically, or was that? Yeah, for yeah, yeah. Well, both. It was for school. It was for pleasure. In acting school, you have to do scenes all the time. Like, you have a scene partner, and you, you. So you have to read all these plays to come up with scenes to do with your scene partner, and then also just like in New York, there's so much theater going on. So you want to be reading things as they're coming out and. And then also I was reading to learn about like the canon. So I was going back and reading, you know, Tennessee Williams or, you know, whatever pretentious shit theater majors do. We did weird fucking shit. Theater majors are so annoying. <laughs> so you weren't, you weren't really a reader in, in college. I mean, I was reading plays. But like a recreational. Yeah, yeah. I still read stuff, but I, I don't. I don't. I didn't take like English class. Like my English class was a Shakespeare class. Mm. Like so, the what the what I was reading in college was related to the theater. So I wasn't reading like a ton of books about like assigned to me because I had a different kind of education. All right. So going along the lines of reading for the podcast, reading for your Shakespeare marathon, okay, and pleasure reading. Are there any, do you set any goals for yourself? Because I know like last year on Goodreads, you really wanted to read 100 books or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, are there any other just random goals that you have in the back of your mind that you're kind of keeping tabs on? Yeah. So I, I have like a number goal. This year, my number goal was 36 and I've already read 44 books this year. Um, but I took it way down because I wasn't sure what it was going to be like with the babies. And I thought three books a month might be the most I could do. Um Last year, I read 101 books. I just want to really say that out loud because I'm really proud of myself. Yeah, it's a major flex. 101 books? What the fuck? Um, This year, I'm focusing... I'm trying to focus on representation in my reading, which I also started doing last year. So I have my like insane, you know, Excel spreadsheet that tracks all sorts of different things. But I'm trying to read more than 50% of my books to be by um, authors who do not identify as white, which is... It's pretty easy. I'm not... I'm... I'm way past that goal. But last year I came in almost 50-50. Shakespeare also fucks it up because every Shakespeare play is a white person. So even, you know, it always adds at least one a month. Um, And I try to always read more women and non-gender conforming people um, than men. So those are things that I think about. Last year I had a goal of reading just, (laughs) this is such a small goal, three books that were translated from another language and Mm. I read one. So that was a miss. And this year I read zero. So it was another miss. I still have time. Are there any books that you were surprised that you liked? Yeah. Anna Kay by Jenny Lee, the gossip girl. I love that. 
It's so weird. It is so not like me. I talk about it all the time. I'm obsessed with it. It was so good. It's a Gossip Girl sort of remake of Anna Karenina, which I've never read. But it's so good. It's so fun. People, there's like this annoying thing where people were calling it like Crazy Rich Asians meets Gossip Girl. And I don't know. It was not Crazy Rich Asians except for that they were rich kids. But there's only like they're two half Asian characters. Like it's kind of racist to say that. But you know, book marketing is not mm. the greatest, but it was, it's such a fun book and it's so smart and so well done. And I got to talk to Jenny Lee when COVID all started. She was my first guest when I was doing those like Instagram lives mm. and she was so great, but I didn't know that until after I read the book, but it made me like the book even more. Cause I was like, she's awesome. And now there's a sequel coming out. <laughs> Listen to my singing oh. podcast later. So is that something that did, did they plan to turn it into a movie? I think she. I think she said there was like a TV show or something oh, coming. Exciting! Yeah, it is because there is a hole in my heart where Gossip Girl used to be. Do you have any favorite audiobooks? Specifically, audiobooks. You didn't read it; you only listened to it. Okay. Well, one of them, yes, and then the other one, I listened to it and then I read it the second mm, time. Does that count? That's intense. You're just flexing all over the place. Yeah. Who does that? Who listens to audiobook and then reads it? Okay, well, I'll tell you who, me, uh, <laughs> your wife, the person you just spend the rest send of your life a, uh, Twitter, um, what do you call it? I don't Survey? know. Survey. Yeah. Okay. Hit me up. See who does it. You, I, we won't go there. We won't go there about <laughs> the fact that you're not on Twitter, but you're on Twitter. Um, okay. So the one that's a pure audiobook is, I talk about this one a lot, The Sixth Man by Andre Iguodala. And it's mm. such a good audiobook. The guy who reads it is incredible and it's basketball and it's great. So there's that. And would, then would you say that's your favorite book about sports? No. What well, would be then? Welcome to the Terror Dome Ooh. by Dave Zirin, my guy. My edge guy. of at Edge of Sports. Peanut He's butter first, and jelly. like real celebrity crush. He was my first celebrity author crush. Yeah. I've had many celebrity crushes, but like author love, he was my first. Kinda kinda huge that I made it on the podcast before he did. I know. Well, he, but he, remember? Why are you squir squirming in yours? Because I just love Dave Zyron. <laughs> We're going to take a 10 minute break. Yeah, I got to cool down. Uh, remember when we were on in the Bahamas mm -hmm. and I tweeted something at him and then he tweeted back like something and then he was like, love the handle because my handle's bitracial and I just printed it out and put yeah. it in my scrapbook. Because that I is was what like, kind of what is he doing? That's what kind of book lover I am. So, welcome to the Terror Dome is a collection of essays that he wrote all about um, politics and sports, and he writes about politics and sports for the nation. And he's so great. Mm. He has other books, but that one is my favorite. I loved it so much that I took one of his essays, and it inspired me to write my like final thesis for my hip hop uh, history class in college. So that's a book oh, I read in college. With, so he's been with you for a while. Yeah, I, I mean, I read that book in two thousand eight. Wow. Yeah, and I wrote a whole thing about hip hop and racism and basketball um, and David Stern and like the dress code. Yeah, wow. to, yeah, well, that was inspired uh, by him. We were on this romantic vacation in Abaco, and now I get it why you stayed in bed for that whole morning <laughs> talking back to him. I was, we were tweeting, and it was like early Twitter. It was 2012. I mean, not early, early, but like relatively. It was, it was 2012. Early. It was early enough. I was like, what? The 
it was like before people were like deeply trolling others and it was like kind of a cool space mm. where you could like connect with people that you admired in a weird way and he like retweeted me and then commented on my you. name and I still love him for it. So the, it kind of leads into my next question. Wait, don't though. hold on really quickly. The other book that I listened to and then I read, I just want to tell you what it was. Oh, right. It was um, Tiny Beautiful Things by Cheryl Strayed. So I had listened to it. It was like one of the first audiobooks I actually got through and I loved it. And then when Kelty came on the podcast, that first episode, um, when the stacks joined the lady gang, it was the book that she and I did together. So to refresh my memory, I read the physical book. And anything that you got I out like of the it, audio you better it better as audio I like back. the audio better because Cheryl Strayed reads it and the way mm. she does her if you've read the book there's like a lot of little like sweet pea and her kind of tone and her sarcasm and her generosity it's just like the whole thing it just flowed really it's a really beautiful mm. audiobook why do you think some authors don't read their own audiobook well I think a lot of authors are shy and don't want to. And I think there was a trend when audiobooks first came out to have a professional do it. And now I think there is a trend more towards having the author read their own book, especially if it's got memoir to it mm-hmm. or if it's a nonfiction book. Because at least what I've seen you, how you enjoy an audiobook, it, it does seem like it is different, kind of means a little bit more if the author actually reads it. Well, I also specifically pick books that are read by the author. Uh, I don't like... I don't often like books that are read by someone else. I don't like to listen to fiction pretty much period because I cannot focus. And if it's nonfiction that it's not read by the author, unless I'm super interested in the topic, I just, I'm not, mm-hmm. you know. So going off of that Bahamas, Dave okay. Zirin, okay. Jaunt, okay. is there any book vacation combo that you vividly remember like you think about the book and you think about where you were on vacation or you think about the Mm. vacation and you can immediately think about what book you were reading there's a few so a little life in thailand are tied together in my Mm -hmm. mind the (laughs) this is so weird i don't even the oklahoma city bombing book and abaco also and that same trip and um Fifty Shades of Grey and that same trip. That was a big trip for you. A lot of reading, a lot of Dave Zirin. <laughs> pre-babies, pre-podcast. You had just graduated medical school. That was in your wheelhouse. Yeah, that was our big, like, fancy vacation after you graduated medical school. Do you wish, so let's say the podcast, you, you never read Blood in the Water and you didn't think of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Do you wish that you could go back and just be a reader, like casually pick up a book, not have to worry about where you're going to go with it, the review you're going to write, the Instagram. I get a little jealous of people on Instagram, on Bookstagram, who just read anything they want whenever they want and they aren't like trying to produce a podcast and Mm -hmm. read for work and for pleasure. I definitely get jealous of that. But I read so much more now than I used to and I'm really grateful for that. So I don't know. It's kind of a mix. Mm -hmm. Um, And you got to meet some pretty cool people. Oh my God. I would not trade that for anything, I don't think. Can I just say one more book and one on a vacation and then I'll stop? Mm-hmm. Um, the Hiroshima Nagasaki book when we were in Japan mm-hmm. and then we went to Hiroshima and I was reading the book yeah. on that trip. That was a pretty, I mean, incredible, incredible experience. And if you ever get the chance to go to Japan, go to Hiroshima, even if it's just a day trip and go see that Memorial mm-hmm. Museum. It's Don't you think that's one of the greatest museums you've ever been to? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it was even under construction also. Like they yeah. were redoing it and yet it was still... It was incredible. Unbelievable. And we had the Okonomiyaki, the 
the like noodle pasta thing when we were there. Brian Washington, author, he's the one who told us to make sure that we did that All when right. we were there. Shout out to Brian. Would you do you recommend that to people? Because we kind of both feel like if we're going on vacation, which we probably never will ever again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But let's say somebody's going to somewhere. Do you try? Would you go out of your way to recommend them read something related to that area, or is that just us that we like? You to do, do that. that. I don't usually do that. Sometimes I do, but I, you do it more than I do. But I, I mean, I liked it in Japan. I also did the people who eat darkness. Which was about, um, yeah. but the thing that I fucked up with Japan is that both those books were written by like white dudes. Mm. They weren't, they weren't written by Japanese people. They weren't written by Japanese Americans. Like, so I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I. I don't think you sh- would have to unless you wanted to. But it doesn't doesn't make a difference. It doesn't we make did, a difference. We, we read the Hiroshima, the quintessential book that was also written, written by a white person. No, it was written by no. Really? The Hiroshima, the little one? Yeah. It's written by a white guy. I can't remember his name. Damn it. What would you say is the most challenging book that you've ever read? Not necessarily long or hard to read, but maybe just emotionally challenging or, you know, you were in a tough place in your life and it was just hard to get through. I think one of the more challenging books I read was Medical Apartheid by Harriet Washington. Mm -hmm. It's pretty dense. And I didn't understand a lot of the um, science of it. And it was like pretty fucked up shit, like what was going on, the racism in medicine. And so I think the combination of it being like not enjoyable to read about Mm -hmm. and how dense it is as far as the medical stuff. I know that was easier for you. I mean, it's an incredible book and I recommend it to people, especially if you're interested in medicine. Um, But it was really hard. It, it was it was difficult for me to get through yeah. it. I mean, and and she just picks apart all these things that you've never heard about, right? All of these experiments, uh, you know, the history of racism in medicine. Mm-hmm. I mean, specifically, you know, I'm sure people know or have heard about Tuskegee and the experiment that they did. Right. But she dedicates a chunk of her book to going into the details, and then also like the fallout and the sequelae of. Like, whatever happened? To, did anybody, was anybody held accountable? Like, who? Right. Who, who, yeah. Yeah. It it's so good. So that was a book that was difficult Excellent. to get through, but I was glad to read it. Right. Um, what do you wish was a better book that you read? Like, you maybe went in thinking, like, I love this author. Or I, I've heard good things about this book, but it just kind of didn't pan out to what you wanted it to be. That's a very good question. Um, And I thought of that on my own. Yeah, you did. He has his own questions going. He has like the sheet for my questions and he has his own questions on his phone. He's like checking them off. Yeah. That was a good question. A book that I wish was better. Okay, something's coming to mind. I don't want to be a hater, but I'm going to kind of hate on this book. It is a collection of short stories. Mm. (sighs) I don't know. I don't know if this book was just hyped or if I didn't think it was good, but it's called A Lucky Man by Jamel Brinkley. And a lot of people loved it. And it was a collection of short stories. And it was just like, okay. Mm. I don't really remember it enough to even tell you like what I didn't yeah. like about it. But, but it, it just, was a letdown. It was a total letdown. But that could have just been like hype. Right. What is a book that you will never, ever read? Um, so many so many <laughs> I'll never read like uh, the Mueller report 
I'll never read those. I'll never read Amorosa's mm. book. I'll never read whatever, anything that the current president of the United States has written. What about, okay, let's subtract politics out of this. Oh. Let's say like something, maybe that's trendy. I'm or... not reading like, well, I'm not reading a lot of those classics, those white guy classics. Like I'm not going back and reading Grapes of Wrath. Mm. Like not going to be able to do it. I might read a Russian. Like I might read Anna Karenina. I'm interested in that. After reading Anna Kay. Anna Kay. <laughs> Shout out to Anna Kay. Two mentions. What are the chances you actually read Anna Karenina? I would read Anna None. Karenina if Jenny Lee would come on the podcast and oh. do it with me. For sure. For sure I would Oh, do you would want to actually do the book? I would do it if she would do it with me. I what if she didn't, didn't want to do it with you? Would you still read it? Maybe, but I don't know if I would prioritize it. Mm. Um, so yeah, I don't think like I'm not reading any Steinbeck. I'm not reading any like, I don't know, Yates or Keats or Jack London or any of that shit. But there's okay. I got it. I got you. Uh, I'll read those books. And you already have. You're so white. You've definitely read that <laughs> shit. They don't know that. They, they definitely know what you look like. All right. Any book that you could reread again for the first time? Like anything that you wish you got to have no knowledge of going into? You can't say blood in the water. No. Maybe the reckonings. By Alicia M. Johnson. Mm. I love that essay collection. I've been thinking about it a lot. It's about justice and and life and redemption and mm. revenge. And I would read that. I would re- would love to reread that again. Or oh, maybe I would say um, Under the Banner of Heaven by John Krakauer. Ooh. Also, that would be another book that I would love to reread again because I remember yeah. being like, "This book is fucking crazy," and like I'd like to experience that again. And I know if I picked it up. I would be like, oh, right, I remember. Oh, yeah, oh, okay. For those of you out there who don't have memories like I do, what was that about again? It was about the Mormon brothers. Oh, right. It's John Cocker's book about fundamental Mormons, and there's a murder in the beginning, and then he like tells the story of the Mormon church. Uh, how's it end? You're the worst. <laughs> we don't spoil on these episodes. No, you just say spoiler alert in the beginning. Oh, I'll yeah. go back and, and edit it. Oh, yeah, as you edit this podcast. Let's see. Have you reread any books? Not here, not the audiobook, but just straight up. I want to reread this. The Shakespeare stuff. But no, I don't really. Usually, if I'm going to do a reread, I'm going to do it. If I've read the book physically, then I'm going to try to do this reread as an audio. So, mm-hmm. like, I did that with Heavy by Kiese Lehman. Let's see. What? Okay, so speaking of Kiese, your your new husband, mm-hmm. I'll, be, I'll move out. If you haven't listened to that episode, week. please go back and listen. Yeah, and you can move out by the end of the week, but you have to take both of the babies. Eh, that's not what we agreed on. Okay, well, then you have to stay. <laughs> I need your help. <laughs> I get one microphone and one baby. So speaking of your favorite author, if you could meet for the podcast or just do a Zoom call mm-hmm. with an author that you haven't met or spoke to or had on the podcast, mm-hmm. Right now, who mm-hmm. would it be? I'm going to give you two answers. One is the answer that everyone, of course, has, but I don't really include them as authors, would be either of the Obamas. But I know that's not what you mean. I think I'd have to say Ta-Nehisi Coates. Mm. I think that, that would that's like what my heart is saying. Jasmine Ward is also up there. The two of them would be the two that I think mm. I would most like to interview or talk to. And what, like... Honestly, what book would you want to do recommend? Like, 
Oh, you mean like what book would what I want to do with him on the you, show? When you have authors on the show, you usually say like, hey, do you want to do this book or this no, book? I usually send an email that says, hey, what are like three to five books that you would be interested in talking uh-huh. about on the show? Either something that you read or something that you want to read mm-hmm. or an old favorite or anything. And then they will send me some options and then I'll look at their options and try to figure out what I think they're right. into. And then I'll either send something back or I'll pick something from their list. So what do you think Tanasi would send you back? Like, I don't know. Maybe we could do like Baldwin. Ooh. Or that new book about Baldwin, Begin Again, by Eddie Loud, I think his name is. or Gla- I don't know. Eddie something junior. I would fuck with that with him. Mm. Or I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I'd have to see what he sent me to see what he would be into. But I think talking about a Baldwin something would be great. Like maybe like Notes on a Native Son, like talking about like beef because, you know, he has like that big beef with like Cornell West or whatever. That might be fun. Um, what is a book that you wish that you read in high school? Okay, two answers again. One is that I was assigned the autobiography of Malcolm X in high school and I didn't read it and I just like faked my way through the class and I had this great teacher, Mr. Green, shout out. I wish that I had read the book in class. I didn't read it until I was out of college. Um, But a book that I wish that maybe that I wished would have been assigned to me in school. I don't know, maybe Sister Outsider by Audre Lorde, like maybe just some radical black not radical, but just like transformative black stuff, stuff about being black and taking up space. Like th- there was none of that in school, mm. you know, except for, you know, we had this Malcolm X book, but even that, like, of course, to assign that to high school kids is pretty like radical mm-hmm. for Mr. Green. But even that book, it's like pretty mainstream and palatable. So maybe I wish just, I don't know, but maybe some Tony Cade Babara. Like, I don't know. I mean, at the time though. 20, 20 years ago? Okay, let's not get carried away with how old I am. <laughs> was it mainstream, though, the Malcolm X book? Yeah, I mean, it's like, but it was like a bestseller forever. I mean, everybody's like, it's like a book, it's an acceptable book about black radicalness. You why, know what I mean? How, why do you think you didn't read it? Because I was like 16 and mm. I didn't read anything in school. So you, let's say you're a high school teacher. Yeah. Would you be hesitant Knowing your 16-year-old self is somewhere in your class, would you be hesitant to assign that book? Yeah, because it's kind of thick, and I feel like that's what turned me off of it when I was younger. Mm. Oh, you know what book I wish was assigned in school, speaking of thick books? Mm. Stand from the beginning. My guy, Ibram X. Kendi, doctor, the doctor, the race doctor, Ibram X. Kendi. I wish that that book had been assigned. I probably wouldn't have read it, but like... Mm. That shit, I could be so much further ahead on my understanding of race in America if I had read that book approximately 20 years ago. Yeah, where were, come on, Ibram, where were you back when we were in high school? <laughs> he was a freshman Hello. in college when I was a freshman yeah. in high school. He's like my age. Yeah, but still. <laughs> it's wild. He's so young. And you had him on a podcast, right? Don't act like you don't know that. All right. We are um, getting to the end of my questions here. So let's do a Kind of a rapid fire. Okay. What is the last book that made you cry? You think that I'd have an answer for this? I don't know. I don't know. I never cry when I read What's that one on the airplane? Oh, right. Right, right. Of course I cried. Um, Tell Me More by Kelly Corrigan. Mm. I cried. It looks like it's going to be... Freaked me out. Yeah, I was like weeping. It <laughs> on looks, an airplane. That's a book that I associate with a trip. You don't do good on airplanes no, to begin with. I do not do good. <laughs> And it was a lot of crying. It wasn't just like a tear rolling down my eye. It was like. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
it's about grief and stuff and she just it's so beautiful and so well done and the second to last chapter onward was just major and so good and it looks like it's gonna be chick lit and it's not all right what is the last book that made you laugh i've been listening to samantha irby on audio and that is the last book that really made me laugh however i was reading the office book today and i was chuckling they were talking about the dinner party (laughs) scene and jim breaking and it was making me giggle um what is the last book that you felt like you learned a lot i just listened to on audio white negroes by lauren michelle jackson and it's all about cultural appropriation and she really broke that shit down and she explained cultural appropriation aside from just like people stealing stuff from white people stealing stuff from other Mm -hmm. cultures as like oh she talked about the way that whiteness profits off of that stuff like for example like remember vine that like six second video thing that was like a oh yeah yeah yeah. yeah. i had an account no you didn't um (laughs) i can't stand it make me sound cool to these people i feel like you've already undone that okay (laughs) we're talking about books my guy we're not cool anyway she talks about just how white people take black culture and then they delegitimize black people who do it and then turn around and profit off of it and vine was a really good example and then they twitter bought vine and shut vine down and so all mm. those vine stars lost all their following etc cetera, etc cetera. so it just it, i just learned so much about cultural appropriation in a way that i didn't hadn't known about it before and do you have another book that made you angry yes Fucking Malcolm Gladwell's book, Talking to Strangers. I can't stand that book. I get so mad. We almost named one of our kids Malcolm. Anyways, Malcolm Gladwell has completely lost his mind and he gets away with saying wild shit without having to prove it because he wrote a bunch of books and people respect him. And I respected him until he wrote this book, Talking to Strangers, and basically blamed the sexual assault by Brock Turner of Chanel Miller on drinking as if every person who ever drank. You want to give people kind of a refresher of what that was the Stanford rape case. For those of you who don't know, um, it was a college party and Brock Turner um, assaulted um, Chanel Miller outside of a dumpster in Palo Alto, California at Stanford Mm -hmm. university. And he, was stopped by these two bikers and was caught like mid act. And then Malcolm Gladwell is decides that that has to do with drinking on campus and not with the ways in which young men are taught that they're allowed to take things from anyone that they want, especially young white men are deserving of anything that they're interested in. And so that really pissed me off. And then there's a whole part about Sandra Bland where he basically is talking about individual racism versus systemic racism and basically insinuates that systemic racism it's just he basically says that that officer Johannes whatever the fuck his name was Mm -hmm. who killed who arrested Sandra Bland who then later ended up dead allegedly by a suicide I believe yeah she was murdered Mm -hmm. Um, he basically like says his logic is so bad. I can't even remember his exact point, but essentially he says that racism doesn't exist. It was, it's like a two way street. If only he knew where she was. Yes. If from, he knew where she was. She exactly. He was coming right. From, if she like, could have, if she could have been here, more man. respectful, it's like, she's dead. So you really want to play this game mm. of, he said, she said like, this is ridiculous. And also, um, 
he doesn't define what a stranger is in the book. So sometimes he's talking about people who've never met before. And sometimes he's talking about people who are coworkers. And like, it just was so bad and so like shittily done that it was frustrating because he wasn't actually proving any point. He clearly just had a collection of Mm -hmm. essays and he tried to like find a through line. Mm -hmm. And then people were like, Oh, he's so smart. And you know what? He's not smart, but we're just conditioned to think that he's smart. Mm -hmm. So we let him off the hook. Do you think if you went back and reread, his other books do you think that you might see it differently yeah i think so i do think so i mean obviously like tipping like, point like yeah. his big thing was like the broken windows policing which turned out to be not mm-hmm. good and the ten thousand hours thing it's like yeah that also right well that's like a difference of opinion because there's that guy who did the book range who believes in like the Federer approach, which is someone who does a bunch of different sports. It becomes mm-hmm. a great athlete. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I mean, that that at least he had examples of people who had done things for 10,000 hours. But if that book had been this book, it would be like 10,000 hours makes you an expert. Here's someone who did something for six hours and is also an expert. Yeah, and you're yeah. like, okay, well, then what are we even talking about? So that book made me angry. And as you can tell, I'm still angry about it. And I get mad when I see people talking positively about it because I think that it's so harmful. And I think that liking that book is part of the problem that America's in, which is like you can't pick and choose things and just you can't choose to ignore racism in certain places, but not in other places. Or like you can't choose to ignore Mm -hmm. sexual assault in some places, but not other places. And then Malcolm Gladwell tries to like back out of it. Like, Oh, I'm not saying that Chanel Miller was to blame, but he calls her Emily Doe because that's who she was at the time of the Mm -hmm. book. Now we know who she is because of her book. That was really good called know my name. Um, but he's like, Emily Doe's not to blame. I'm just suggesting that Brock Turner also is like conditioned to mm-hmm. be drunk. And I'm like, okay, so you're saying she's not to blame and he's not to blame and we're going to blame alcohol. Mm-hmm. Like we're going to truly blame, like lots of people have been drunk and not sexually assaulted someone. Mm-hmm. Like, so what are we talking about? But you know, I, yeah. it's just that book makes me angry. I know. And his platform, if you talk about just all the, avenues he could have gone down with okay you say malcolm gladwell a black author is going to write something about sandra bland it's like all right yeah let's let's do it and he goes in the opposite direction because he wants to try to prove a point and doesn't take into account racism well and his whole shtick like his whole shit about his mother's jamaican his whole shtick about like the way he talks about race and he always is trying to like find a way to not talk about race. Mm-hmm. Like he's always trying to find a way to act like the experiences of other black people are like, he tries to gaslight black people. And you know, I don't, I, I hate to, I don't want to talk too bad about him because I, you know, I don't know his experience, but like he's very fair skinned and like he's white passing. And I think some of that has to do with the fact that he's been able to, to privilege off of his, fair skin in a way that a lot mm-hmm. of black people haven't and like he was able to become an intellectual in a way that he doesn't mm-hmm. have to talk about race like he's not unlike most black writers he's not asked to talk about race right. right like he's given the opportunity like a lot of white people are to choose to talk about race or not and so I think that the way that he talks about race is particularly harmful given the fact that he's been provided these privileges mm-hmm. because of his skin color mm-hmm. yeah and we can I mean we talk about this a little bit where people, how do you, how does this person identify themselves as? I don't even think he identifies as black. You know, he identifies as Jamaican, mm. but I don't. I don't think he. I I feel like I've heard him talk about 
his race. I don't think he identifies as black, mm. actually, if we're talking. About I, I can't quite remember that, so don't quote me on it. I don't want to get in trouble for that, but I'm pretty sure he just says, you know, my mother's Jamaican and I'm Canadian, right. but I don't, I'm pretty sure. I, can't, I feel like it was on some podcast. Someone yeah. asked him. And his new season of this podcast is trash, so Sax Pack, let's get us above <laughs> Malcolm's podcast on this episode. <laughs> yeah, it's going to happen. <laughs> Um, okay, just a few more questions. Yeah, we should wrap up. Okay, I have one more, maybe two. One more question. Um, is there a topic or moment that you would like to see made into a book? Yes. Okay, it's not that this hasn't been written about. I just don't think it's been written about yet as amazing as it could be. And that's the 1992 LA riots. Mm. I think that there's a book that exists that's about that. And maybe the 1968, also the Watts riots and Mm. like someone really smart and good at history doing like a really delicious 500 page book about the politics of the, the uprisings in LA. Oh, and that book I would like to be written by a black person. Um, and then the another book by a black person about Tulsa mm. um, because I feel like that's been like pretty trendy. Um, well, there's a lot that we didn't talk about. I I'm know. Sure. Can I just do and one? And one what? I just want to ask myself. Ask can I ask myself a question? I was actually going to ask myself a question, but you go first. Okay. The question I'd like to ask myself is, do you have any favorite bookstores? And yes, I have two. One is called Eswan Books and it is here in yes. Los Angeles. It is black owned and it is amazing. And the booksellers there are so wonderful. And if, if and when you can go back into the store, they just always tell you exactly what book you want to read and about. They know about every single book in the store. And they tell you about the time Barack Obama was there. Mm. And it was so great. And there are pictures. And... and it's just the greatest. It's like so tiny. And you cannot take pictures in there and just everything about it is so great. And yeah. I keep your them. phone away. Yeah, I just love that bookstore. And then the other bookstore doesn't exist yet, but it will soon. It's called The Salt Eaters, and it is going to be a bookstore Mm. owned by Asha Grant, who was a guest on this podcast. We did Sister Outsider together, and Asha is amazing, and she's currently crowdsourcing and crowdfunding the bookstore. Um, It'll be in Inglewood. She is a black woman. It is a black woman-owned bookstore that is going to focus and center the voices of black, femme, and non-gender conforming or non-binary folks. Mm-hmm. So if you're in a place where you can contribute to the Salt Eaters, I will leave a link in the show notes. But um, those are my two favorite bookstores. I've never been in the Salt Eaters, obviously, but I will be there the day it opens. Well, one one bookstore you didn't mention that's mm-hmm. top of our list mm-hmm. nationwide is, do you remember going to D.C. last year? Politics and Prose? No. Oh, 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 the the bookstore inside the museum. Yes. The African American History Museum. That, that bookstore was like being inside of this podcast. It oh was like everyone goodness. we've ever had on and everyone I've ever wanted to have on all have a book in yeah. there. You recorded a pop-up podcast. I wish. I just, yourself. I was talking to the person at the, <laughs> it was like the gift shop and I was like, oh my God, you guys have the best books. And they were like, ma'am, the line's over there. And Man, I'm like, we are closed. Ah. Yeah. She's like, <laughs> you've been here for hours. She's like, this is, you've, you've got to go. I was ma'am, like, this is not the museum. Yeah. Oh, it was so great. It was so great. The question, what was the question you were going to ask yourself? The question I was going to ask myself, Mr. Stacks, are you surprised about any authors or books that Mrs. Stacks didn't bring up during your recording? Ooh. Oh, well, yes, there are a few people, but m- the one that comes to mind is Vincent Bugliosi. <gasps> it's true. I haven't brought it up. Helter wow. Skelter in the Summer Shelter. And he has that book about O.J. Simpson. Yeah. And he has the book about JFK. And he has a book about God. And he has a book about George Bush. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I read them all. I, he used to be my like A1. I also didn't bring up Julia Shears at all. I didn't bring up mm. Jesus Land or A Thousand Lives About Jonestown. I didn't bring up um, Columbine. Jason Reynolds. I didn't bring up Jason. Oh, my this God. Is, like, is this the, the first the podcast Oscars. I haven't brought up Jason Reynolds? Because I'm so embarrassed. This is like the end of the Oscars. I still right, have lady, one question, right? I still have one question you're going to ask me. I think I can get Jason Reynolds in that last question. There Don't you worry. One last question. A fan favorite. Is there one book that you would recommend the president of the United States to read? Yes. I'm going to pick a book by one of my favorite authors, Jason Reynolds. Uh, slid it in there at the very end. <laughs> Be honest. Of all the people I've ever interviewed. He's who... the most I'm concerned about you leaving me for. <laughs> no, I was going to say, who do you have the biggest crush on? Oh. Uh, he. So when you first hear about him, it's like, oh, you know, kids books. All right. You know, I probably don't have anything <laughs> to worry about. And then one of the last... Well, first of all, you interviewed him when you're pregnant. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't meet him though. Mm-mm. But when I first met him and saw him was the la- the literally the last like event that we did before COVID. It was with the the twins. We it was like right when it was shutting down. It was the Friday and Saturday was the shutdown. And it was the the probably the biggest event of the year for you. It was your two <laughs> boyfriends, Ibram and Jason doing uh, a, a Barnes and Noble, you know, book event at uh, the Grove in LA, and it was one of those things where you turn to me and you're like, Sh- "Should we go? Like, with the babies? Like, is it really worth going?" And I was just like, "You, you have to go. This is something that you cannot miss." And it became this intimate event where there was like twenty people. Not every, even. It, this was like before social distancing was even a term that people were using. Everybody was kind of spread out, and I see him walk in. His hair is flowing. He's wearing <laughs> tight jeans. He's standing next to little Ibram. And Ibram's not that little. Well, he's I, I guess mean, compared to Jason. Little to Jason, I was like, oh, oh, okay. I'm gonna need a moment here. I gotta get my, I gotta get my thoughts together. Um, but he is. I'm glad you finally snuck him in. In in this recording yeah so. yeah how could you miss how could i miss i mean i think that i probably have the longest streak of author i mentioned the most every episode i feel like he's probably mm. i mentioned him every week for a while now yeah um and then i read my first but he um, also listens to the show so i also feel like shout out to jason thanks for listening <laughs> like he's one mm-hmm. of the few people who've been a guest who i feel like i know truly actually listens to the podcast mm-hmm. so shout out um the book that I think that the president should read by Jason is Look Both Ways. Mm. I think that book is incredible. It is so well done. I know everyone loves um, Long Way Down and Long Way Down is great, but Look Both Ways is like, I, I think it's a work of art. It is so good. It's a short story collection, 10 different stories. It's all these kids that are in the same middle school. So it's like they kind of come together in each story. Like you see them like as class gets out mm-hmm. and it's all about how they get home every day. So like their walk home, they're like the walkers, the kids who walk home from school. Um, and some of them ride a school bus. Mm-hmm. And um, because you have one group of kids that you just the low cuts. The second story. See, my thing that I go to is the girl with the dad who has dementia. Yeah, you love that one. That one just. But so, what's so great about the book, and what I think the president could get from the book, is that, um, well, first of all, the audience is like for younger people. It's middle grade, so I feel like he would be able to understand every single word. Like he wouldn't have to 
look anything up, I don't mm-hmm. think. Um, but I also feel like the president might actually see black and brown children as human beings because mm-hmm. what Jason does so well is humanize people and mm-hmm. he gives people such life and such completeness. And I remember when I finished the book, I you picked me from the airport and I was telling you, it's like, oh my God. I, it's so incredible what he, this guy did. Cause I hadn't met Jason yet. I was like, it's so incredible what this guy did. Like mm-hmm. he made these kids have these rich family lives. And like, there was all this shit going on, like, you know, foster kids and kids whose families are ill and kids whose parents have dementia and all this stuff. And he makes them whole and funny and like full. And they're not just like sad kids who are dealing with this one sad thing, but they're like 12 dimensional, mm-hmm. you know? And mm-hmm. like, I hope that maybe if the president were to read, look both ways he might see us and see our kids and see our young people as like valuable and worthy mm-hmm. so i did sneak jason in here with the last answer yeah, but anybody i mean else it. you want to shout out like this is your time to shine shout out kisei yeah i mean always always shout out akila Oh, shout out Akila Hughes. Her book is great too, obviously. There's so many people I want to shout out. That's the thing. I do want to say this since it's my birthday. I know we're going long, but fuck it. Since it's my birthday, I do want to say thank you to everybody who's listened to this show because I would never, ever, ever, ever be able to have like realized some of the dreams that I didn't even know that I had, like sitting down and talking to Jason Reynolds or, you know, um, reading Ibram Kendi and being able to sit down and talk to him about race in America, you know, like those types of moments and, and connecting with someone like Akila who I've not had on the show yet, but hopefully one day, or just like, there's just so much and, and being able to like really be in this space of the book world. Like I'd never be able to do it if people didn't listen. Mm -hmm. Like this was so out of my wild. I mean, this was my wildest dream when I went to create the podcast, but I didn't think it would ever happen. Like I didn't mm-hmm. think I'd ever interview Shay Serrano. Like what the fuck? That was incredible. Yeah, that out. was huge. So I guess just like thank you everybody for listening and thank you Mr. Stacks for mm-hmm. A, coming on today and B, supporting me and C, always listening to every episode and making sure you're subscribed, rating and reviewing the Got podcast. <laughs> thank you. Um, but thank you for interviewing me and allowing me to come on your beautiful show. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. Do you want to do the sign out? Uh, just everybody look out for my new podcast books Tracy hates mm. um, it'll be on Lady Gang um, Network <laughs> oh and next week we'll be back with KSA discussing Breathe by Imani Perry for the Stacks mm. Book Club okay you want to sign us out and if that's all yeah meet me in the Stacks no that's not the sign out it's okay hang on thanks so much everybody and we'll Don't see you in my game <laughs> <laughs> thanks <laughs> Thanks, everybody, and we'll see See you you in in the the stacks. Thank you all so much for listening, and thank you so much to Mr. Stacks for being our guest host. Be sure to tune in next week, July 29th, for the Stacks Book Club discussion of Breathe by Imani Perry with our guest, Kiese Lehman. Find everything we discussed today in the link in the show notes. For more from The Stacks, follow us on social media at The Stacks Pod on Instagram and at The Stacks Pod underscore on Twitter and check out the website, thestackspodcast.com. You can join The Stacks Pack and support the work we do here on this show by going to patreon.com slash The Stacks. And make sure you're subscribed to this show wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're listening through Apple Podcasts, please take a moment to rate and review. Our graphic designer is Robin McCrite and our theme music is from Tagiragis. Our editor and sound engineer is Will Sterling. The Stacks was created and produced by me, Tracy Thomas. Mm-hmm.